A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Start recording. Lock the gates. Talk poo, for me. Poo yourself and have, have, a, <laughs> have a pie. <laughs> In that order. <laughs> Poo yourself and have a pie. <sighs> Leave. That's a great t-shirt. <laughs> okay. It goes like this. The boyhood dream has come true. All of you to me. You're about to find out how ugly mankind can really be. Myself and the click are going to dance all over your face. Talk about your psalms. Talk about John 3.16. Austin 3.16 says I just whipped your ass. Welcome to the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review as the other Cultaholic lads head towards hell in a cell. We are raging towards a cage match at In Your House in a few weeks' time in the era of 1996. It is an era and a year. Shut up. Who be we? I be Fake Geordie, radio presenter without portfolio, Tom Campbell. And I am with, from Cultaholic.com, the mulligan to my O'Hare, the rambunctious Jackie Orlando. Jackie's in. How you doing, Jackie? <laughs> All right. Thanks, to, uh, Tommy Florida. That's shit. <laughs> shit, that. Is this, this is the level. This is where it's going to go today, isn't it? Yeah. I'm excited. It's, 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 it's grey and muggy outside, so obviously I'm at 40% capacity. <laughs> are, you, my... are you solar powered? I am, yeah. I bloody knew it. I'm, yeah, I'm like Superman, clearly. <laughs> is he solar powered? He is, Like yeah. a superman. He is. What coffee do you get from the coffee? Because there's a thing that there's basically a little routine that, that Jack Atkins, Jackkins from coldaholic.com, Jackkins does, whereby before we start the show... He'll say, I'm just going to go to get a coffee. Yeah. Uh, what coffee do you get from this new place, this mysterious place? Just black. It's black coffee. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. Okay, fan- I thought you went to a fancy coffee shop. I thought you might get a fancy coffee. Unless yeah. the beans are particularly fancy. Beans. Good beans. Good beans. Good beans. <laughs> I, I only ever drink black coffee. Uh, occasionally, I might have a slither of milk, but I'm not a... Yeah. I can't drink black coffee. It, 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 took me, it took me a while. Why did you decide to drink black coffee? Well, when I started drinking coffee, uh, I was drinking fucking stupid, basically ice cream and anime in a cup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what coffee is, isn't it? it? Yeah, it was a uh, peppermint mocha's mocha, 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 that thing, the chocolate one. Yeah, I was I drinking them, and this is when I lived in Toronto. And after like going in every day and chugging these, because uh, the only thing we had near us was a Starbucks, and they were just like, "Jack, you do realize these are very bad for you?" And I was like, "Yeah, mm, yeah." <laughs> So is breathing. Yeah. So uh, I went down to just like an Americano with milk. And then one day someone got me one, forgot to put the milk in it. I was like, it's not bad, this. 
Oh, okay. So, yeah. Would you would you have a peppermint mocha mocha again? Oh, I you when, do when, partake on the other occasion. Yeah, they're, they're usually on like Christmassy menus. So when it gets to Christmas, and I, yeah, I'll be like, oh, a my, little cheeky peppermint mocha. One of those little treats. I am one at Christmas time for an eggnog latte. Wow, it is like a pudding in your glass and then in your mouth. <laughs> Christmas is great, isn't Christmas, it? <laughs> I, I tell you what, I, I, I will spend the next six months losing the Christmas weight, only to start putting it back on again about a month after that. <laughs> I'm, I'm still losing, like, Christmas 1999 weight, so... <laughs> Don't worry, just, just keep topping it up. How has your week been? It's been okay. Has it? It has. <laughs> See, I get like that sometimes. I just go, I don't know what we're thinking. Yeah, I worked from home yesterday, um, mm. and it was just a, a nondescript day really yeah because uh, as i've mentioned before when we have when there's wwe pay-per-views aiden covers them when there's you know good ones like aew i cover them so we've just had <laughs> sorry mustache keeps tickling my nose that's fired <laughs> no sorry that's just what i prefer at the moment uh if, if it swings back around and wwe starts tickling my fancy i'm just gonna bully aiden and say i like this <laughs> what can i do the one i like all right yeah aew simp you guys oh, get God. on with it 25 quid please for that tony Khan. <laughs> um, he's good. He's good. With, he's always on time with the checks. He's Tony. Oh, he's he's, he's prompt. <laughs> prompt Tony. We call him. Uh, no. So, Aiden did WrestleMania Backlash, which I heard was a decent show. Oh. Uh, I heard the Cody Rhodes Seth match was very good. So mm. I need to watch that. So I just had to look after the website until he rolled out of bed yesterday, and I thought I'll do it from home. Mm. Aside from that, when this episode goes live, I'll be enjoying a day off. Nice. Because I'm going back home to the warm bosom of Merseyside this upcoming Friday. Oh, beautiful. For a, for a wedding. So I'm flying in on the Friday. I've already told my mum. I was like, mum, I want a chippy tea. And she was like, yeah, okay. And then Saturday wedding and then Sunday driving back and then Monday having the day off and hopefully going to the cinema. Nice. Go see the Doctor Strange. Yeah, Doctor Strange love. Um, no, oh, if only it was Doctor Strange love. How <laughs> oh, I learned to start loving the bomb. That's the tr- <laughs> that's the one. It's a yeah. it's a cracker. Very uh, nice. How about yourself? You've had a, a lot, an extended weekend. I had an extended weekend. It was very nice. I had four whole days off. I don't do days like no nothing on the radio, nothing here. I had four days off. Good. Did nothing for four days. Because I saw... My mental health took a fucking dive last week, and I was just like, I'm going to take some days off, I think. Were you just knackered, were you? Yeah, I just... I get burnout, because I do enjoy... I'm very lucky in the sense that I love what I do in all facets of work. But the problem is, I have trouble not doing work ever. The webcam has stopped, so if you are watching on the thing, we're going to get that. We- look at your lovely face. Though. I mean, I look like I'm having a great time in it. There we go. That should be fine now. I struggle to switch off, so yeah. therefore, because I like what I do, so therefore it takes like a big meltdown to go. Okay, I'm going to just take a bit of time. I said, like, I said, I could It wasn't. It wasn't like I just. <laughs> I did like burst into flames and start punching cars or anything. It wasn't that bad. I just just decided. Actually, I'm going to take a. Yeah, few days away. So I had a lovely four days where I didn't do anything work-based. And um, the, the, the Sunday was particularly memorable. So Alex was still working on the Sunday. Um, and so I said, well, come off. I'll make, a, I'll make a tagine for when you come home. Oh, very nice. nice. Yeah. But there is a new pub that's open around the corner from us. And it's very deadly because <laughs> it's very nice. <laughs> It's a nice, clean new bar that does a selection of real ales that changes on the week. And uh, it's a lovely, lovely place. So I, <laughs> I instead of starting to make tea, I uh, 
In fact, I, did, I made Alex a little video and I sent it to her. I'll, I will show you <laughs> the video that I sent uh, to Alex and I'll, I will find a way to merge this so you'll be able to watch it as well. So here's the video that I sent. So that was me. Okay, that's really good. Thank you very yeah. much. That's me just getting in the pub, just having a nice little drink. So I sat there and said that to Alex, and she went, all right, are you in the pub then? I said, yes, I am. Please come to the pub when you finish, because we'll have a little drink. And uh, I got chatting to the barman there, because it was me, the barman, and one other lad in there. And then we all got chatting, because it turned out the guy who was otherwise in there lived around the corner from us. I was like, oh, cool, we can, we can slag off people who live in the area as well. And we got chatting for a bit and we got we sort of asked her, what do you do? What do you do? And we ended up getting in a round. So we got so we're chatting at the bar then, me and this me and uh Josh. Oh, uh, Josh. We got chatting away. It was Josh, wasn't it? As you'll, I forget, and I feel. Oh really no, bad. it was Bill. Oh, it was <laughs> Alan. It was Josh, thankfully. So me and Josh are chatting, and then um Alex then comes in. Like, hey, come on. We, we've had about two by this point because Alex was running late, and I've maybe this maybe about to start my third. Then Alex comes in. She's like, hey, come on, get some drinks in. And then some of Josh's mates. Josh says, oh, a few of my mates around the corner. They're going to pop in. Yeah, brilliant. Come on in. So we're meeting new people. And we're there for about half an hour laughing, a bit more drink. And they say, we're going to go down to um, the quayside because it's a lovely day. I said, do you guys want to come? I said, yeah, let's do it. Let's, let's, let's do it. So, and then <laughs> we just went down to the quayside. I think we were there for about four hours. Good. Just drinking and being merry. Uh, I'm pretty sure, and these are just people who we didn't know at the start of the day, which is, which is really nice when that happens. I'm not the sort of person that goes into a bar on my own and just sort of sidles up to people and going, oh, you, you can be my friend for today. I was quite happy <laughs> just sat on my phone waiting for Alex. I was a cool cat. But then just the conversation sort of very organically started. I was like, oh, and before you know it, we're on the quayside, drinking more beers and putting the world to rights with, with new friends, which is lovely. I do feel like... Um, because it was such a hot day and all I did was drink real ale, I think I made myself a bit poorly. Because <laughs> very rarely do I wake up and like, normally I get a bit of a hangover. If I, you know, I get a hangover and that's fine. But I genuinely woke up in the middle of the night on the Monday morning, on the Monday morning and I've never felt it before. I thought I, saw, I got up, I need the loo. I thought, I think I'm going to pass out. <laughs> like, I don't think, I've never had, I've never passed out before, mm. as far as I know. But I was like, I think this is what it feels like when you're about to pass out. This is a worry. <laughs> and it, and, you, and I said to Alex the next day, because I went out a glass of water and just went back to bed and I was fine. But I said, you know, I said, I nearly woke you up. And she went, oh my God, that must have been bad. Because <laughs> I normally wouldn't say anything. I was like, I nearly woke you up. because I didn't feel well at all. But um, I'm better now. But I genuinely think I just, as an idiot, as a 38-year-old man who simply can't function as a human, I just decided to spend the whole day not eating and just drinking IPAs. So that went as well as could be expected, to quote Wallace from Wallace and Gromit. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, acute alcohol poisoning, possibly heat stroke aside, I did see you post a picture of yourself at the quayside on Twitter. And I was like, that was the one, that was when I was drinking. And I was like, thank fuck he's having a day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah, it was that was that was day day off three or four. So that was Sunday. What did I do Sunday? I I played Minecraft and listened to podcasts all day. Oh, lovely. What podcast do you listen to? Well, it's for a couple of years now, I've like abandoned my podcast listening duties to, and all I listen to now is basically wrestling stuff to 
working without working, basically. Yeah. So the shows I don't watch, I'll put something on the background and hear this, that, and this happened. I'll be like, okay, I might check that out tomorrow. And then I realized I haven't listened to Heavyweight for about three years. Um, it's Gimlet Media One, Jonathan Goldstein. He's a Jewish Canadian. And the, the Heavyweight is about, he's connecting people with things. So either people they've lost contact with or something's happened or they're trying to get something. It's just these stories about people in America. It's very, very, very good. Ooh, so nice. like there's one about someone gets in contact with him because their dad just walked out one day and disappeared, but like still emails and they try and track him down. Um, and there's another one. The one I always tell people to listen to is one my mate told me to listen to when it first came out. I think it's the second ever episode. It's about his mate called Gregor. And he's saying, yeah, I had this box set of uh, CDs of like kind of like um, Mississippi Delta music, um, men's, you know, not vocal choirs, but, you know, singing. And he's like, I lent it to my mate years ago and I want it back. But my mate's Moby. <laughs> and he used the CDs to make play. So I want the CDs, and I want him to say, yeah, thank you for lending me these CDs that helped me make play. And Here's a bag of money. Yeah, so they basically like have to track down Moby, and Moby's like, I've got the CDs somewhere, but I mean, you lent me the CDs, yeah, but I start to make the music. It's just, yeah, oh. it's, it's, it's really good. So heavyweight. After you've listened to all the Cultaholic uh, Associated Podcasts. Obviously. Listen, yeah, you know, get your listing priorities in order. But smash through about eight of those while just... Um, no. That's a lovely Tom Sunday. Man. Yeah, all Sharma's working, so I was like, "Fuck, I'm." Just are you online on Minecraft? Can people find you? Just, 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 I feel like, I feel like if if you are online, you're probably that guy who just tends his garden all day in the street, and they just walk past and you just go, "Hello, children." <laughs> uh, no, it's a closed server. My right. mate owns it, but um, I, I've just been going around and tidying. Because you look everything. after that, you look after their houses and stuff, don't you? When yeah. they're not on there, you're yeah. like, you are like your friend's gardener. It's great, yeah. <laughs> I, I like to think if if I was the last man on earth and somehow everything was all right, I'd just be like, I'm just going to garden for a bit. You're just going to potter. Yeah, I might paint someone, someone's front door. They're dead. It doesn't matter. <laughs> My door now. <laughs> That's quite a nice little apocalypse story, that is. Like, just Jack Atkins just going around, just like tidying up a bit. Yeah. You know. So, so it's like kind of what happens after where the wind blows when the couple die. <laughs> <laughs> it's you just painting their door. You should be saying, I oh, don't worry about it. It's a, a lovely look of paint. <laughs> but knowing that I've got a couple of weekends that are going to be quite hectic, I was like, yeah, I'm just going to have a Minecraft. And uh, I had uh, Twix Tops. Twix Tops? Twix Top Biscuit, the, the inside out Twix. Oh, I've heard of this. Yeah, so I, I had some of them. It's wizardry. Yeah. They're very nice. Nice. Are they like little bite-sized things, or are they like full they're, size? The full size, they're slightly bigger than a penguin. Okay. So it's a, a, an animal or the chocolate bar. Yeah, uh, the chocolate bar. Right. Okay. Um, so it's like basically a kind of U shape of biscuit, and then it's got the caramel in the U, mm. and then the chocolate on the top. So it's like a deconstructed inside-out Twix. Ooh, that's clever people, isn't mm. it? It's, it's not as good, not as good as a Twix, but you know when you just want that little. Why is it not as good as a Twix? Ah, because Twix is the absolute boy. There's not as much caramel as a Twix. It's more biscuit than chocolate bar. Do so. you think had the Twix top came out first and then like the, I guess, did you call it the Twix bottom <laughs> came out after, which was the, the Twix that we know now, you know, since I've been to see Doctor Strange, I am a little bit more intrigued in multiverses. Yeah. So like in the multiverse where the Twix top came out first, 
were, was the the original Twix as we know it shunned for being too weird. No, I still think it would be like a Chadders mini Chadders thing. Oh, okay, yeah. right with you. Where a big Chadder, it's great, but when you think of Chadders, you think of the smaller spin-off. You think of the mini Chadders. Yeah, you don't go to Chadders per se. No, standard Chadders. Standard Chadders. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> if anyone from Chadders or Twix is listening, or yeah. Black Coffee, uh, we would like Chadders, Twixes, and what? Black Coffee. Why has nobody <laughs> made? Why have they not made big Cheddars yet? Like, get, like, a massive cheddar, like the size of a pizza base. Oh, my God. Big cheddars. Because you, you've got mini cheddars, then you've got cheddars. cheddars. Big, Big cheddars. cheddars. Large cheddars. There's money on the table, lads. Like, you are literally a license to print it. Yeah. It is a license to print it. God, that would be a dry experience, wouldn't it? It'd be very, it'd be very arid. Yeah. <laughs> you'd, you'd, have to, you'd have to top it with maybe some, maybe some cream cheese or something yeah. to make it less arid. Or have a big glass of water nearby. Maybe there'd be like a food challenge where you, the quickest you can eat a large cheddar. <laughs> Seven days. Have <laughs> a bite into it. Like a, Just like, crumbles like, in your hands. Like the size of the women's Wimbledon plate <laughs> thing that they win. But it's just a big cheddar. <laughs> That's a great thing. Martina Navrat all over crying, biting into this cheddar. Just like, no, it's not. It's normally around the summertime that you'll get these food companies that will make something so silly and bollocks. Because the news is so quiet during the summer yeah. that you'll find that stuff that shouldn't really creep through creeps through. Like I've had it in, in radio in the years gone by. Like I think there was the one there was one time where Morrison's released like a, a sausage roll that was like five feet long. Oh, I remember that, yeah. And you remember it because they released it at a time where they knew news would be very quiet. So you get wankers like me going, there's some content for the day. It's a big sausage roll. It's a big sausage roll. So what I'm saying is don't be shocked if big cheddar <laughs> is that like Who's Big the... Farmer? <laughs> <laughs> They're the company that are holding down the man. <laughs> big Ched, yeah, yeah, yeah. We can't, we can't, we don't eat wheat crunches in this house. They're part of Big Cheddar. <laughs> <laughs> the savoury cheese oligarchs need to be taken down. <laughs> I bet they'd sponsor control your narrative. Um, <laughs> so keep an eye on Big Cheddar. If it's happening, it's happening <laughs> because of us, and you're welcome to it. Um, wrestling. <laughs> Oh, yeah, the reason we're it's, here. That is, unfortunately, the reason. Oh, it's, it's a shame it gets in the way, usually. How's Louis? Louis's all right. Yeah? He, he jumped on my bollocks this morning. Hey! <laughs> um, what a boy. He, he's, he's been cycl he's cyclical. So after a few weeks of sleeping in and being sound, he's just been just yelling early in the morning. <laughs> just going, ah, ah, I'm on my own, ah. <laughs> It's like, yeah, okay. To the point where uh, Saturday night because I knew that I was off on the Sunday and Sean was in work, treat myself to a nice little night off to nice. de definitely keep me asleep. Uh, and apparently we was like at six in the morning going, ah, that's a battle. <laughs> and Sean was like, I'm going to turn him into a bum bag. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> like usually she's just like, oh, he's a cat. Oh yeah. And I'm just like, oh, he's, he's, he's a nightmare. He's not a nightmare. <laughs> he's 99% of the time he's sound. It's just when he's daft, he's very fucking daft. Mm. And then she, she, just couldn't hack it. She was very tired. She was just like, Louis, go fuck yourself. And I woke up and was like, good morning, what's happened? <laughs> so, that's Pablo. He's fine. <laughs> yeah. He was, he's, again, it's just, we, we continue to, to prove every week that he has a favorite in the house and spoiler, it's not me. Mm. Like, he's not cruel, but like, he will, like, if he's hungry, he'll just come up to me and just go, food. And I'll put food out for him and go, I don't want it now. Like, he's very, <laughs> just like that. But then last night, Alex fell asleep on the sofa and I watched as the cat, who normally if I'm there all day, isn't arsed that I'm there. 
suddenly, like when Alex is home and she's on the sofa, he jumped on the sofa and I watched him just giving her little kisses on the head. Like, <laughs> that's very sweet, mate, but why? where's my love? <laughs> Ma! Mother's the favourite. He's such a mother's boy. Like I think I've said before, when Alex is at home, if Alex is on the sofa, um, he'll come and sit right, sit on the arm of the sofa next to her. With Alex, and if I'm if I get up early and Alex is still in bed, I'll go back into the bedroom and Pablo will be on my side of the bed, just like I'm here now. I protect. <laughs> I, he is. I think he's Alex's protector. I think uh, some sort of higher higher force has sent Pablo to protect Alex from something. I don't know what. Because I'll be honest with you, if, if if somebody broke into our apartment, they'd be like, he'd be just like, oh hey, you got any food? <laughs> Valuables are over there. <laughs> Have you got a big cheddar? You got a big cheddar. <laughs> I've heard about this. You are, you are big cheddar. <laughs> Did I tell you that Poppy started actually asserting her dominance over Louis? Probably? No. So what she's been doing is whenever I go home and sit on the couch, you run in like a little horse and jump on the couch next to me. And I'll sit one side of the couch. Sean will sit the other side of the couch. Not that we don't like each other, just arms, armrests. Yeah. Uh, and Poppy's been sitting in between us. And recently, if all three of us are on the couch and Louis comes in, she just turns and starts going... Oh. And like cat speaking to him, not hissing, just like cat speaking. As if going, what do you want, motherfucker? As if to say, I'm here. You don't need to be here. Oh. And I just keep saying to her, it's like, Poppy, I'm the alpha. <laughs> I decide who's here or not. And I'll bring Louis over. He's like, come sit with us, Louis. I say it's okay. And he's like, oh, Poppy said I can't. Oh. That's what we're oh. thinking it is. But she just goes, oh. but like they sleep next to each other on beds and stuff and they hang out. But if Poppy's on the couch with me and Sean, she's like, this is my domain. <laughs> you can't be here as well. They can only fuss me at this time. It's very strange. The weird clicky thing. I think Pablo's only ever done it twice. And it's normally at birds in the window. Yeah. Well, like, that's what I looked up. It is like meant to be at birds, but she just does it to Louis. Because that's how that's how cats, like I think it's it's either how cats properly speak or how cats imitate birds. To make the birds come over. I think it's a bit oh, no, I'm a bird. Definitely <laughs> a bird. Come on over. Ha, got you. I'll eat you. Cheap. Bastard <laughs> cheap. I read up that apparently only um, kittens meow to other cats. Mm. So when grown cats are meowing at humans, they're basically saying, oh, I'm a little baby. Do you want to give me some meat? That's them being the cute, isn't it? Yeah. That's how they communicate with humans. Yeah. That's it, yeah. It makes sense. He just little twats. They are, aren't they? Wrestling! Wrestling! Ne <laughs> nearly wrestling. Nearly wrestling! So I've got to do the real world bollocks before we get into the actual wrestling bollocks. There's a quite a bit of real world bollocks this week. Oh, hit me with those bollocks. So, <laughs> January 22nd, 1996, that's where we are for the Cultaholic Classic Raw review. So very soon, um, I will walk you through this week's episode of Monday Night Raw. Uh, the, the Raw after the Royal Rumble. Thank you for downloading the 1996 watch along of Royal Rumble as well. Yes, mm -hmm. thank you. Fun Rumble. We had a nice time with that one. Uh, but we're going to talk about the Raw after the Rumble in just a moment. Uh, Jackins is here to furnish us with wrestling knowledge from this particular week in the wrestling to paint the landscape of where we're going to be. But let me tell you what's going on in the real world in ja on January the 22nd, 1996. Um, bit of tech news to start with. <laughs> the first version of Java programming was released in this week. Oh, is that getting rid of MS-DOS, is it? Uh, yes, MS-DOS yeah, is on the way out. James Gosling, Mike Sheridan, and Patrick Norton initiated the Java language project back in 91, but had their first version for cons public consumption in this week in 1996. Where did the name Java come from? I hear you ask. Uh, well, their favorite scent of links. <laughs> I wish that was the answer. <laughs> um, originally, Java was going to be called Oak, 
uh, because there was an oak tree outside the office. And they went, no, there's a company called Oak Technologies. They will sue you. They went, all right, fine. So Kim Police, who was then the project manager, said, I named Java. I spent a lot of time and energy on naming Java because I wanted to get precisely the right name. I wanted something that reflected the essence of the technology. Dynamic, revolutionary, lively, fun. Because this programming language was so unique, I was determined to avoid nerdy names. I didn't want anything with net or web in it because I find those very forgettable. I wanted something that was cool, unique, easy to spell, and fun to say. I gathered the team together in a room wrote up on the whiteboard words like dynamic, alive, jolt, impact, revolutionary, etc. and led the group in brainstorming. The name Java emerged during that session. Other names included DNA, Silk, Ruby, and Webrunner. <laughs> I didn't want anything nerdy, so I used dynamic power words. Yeah. <laughs> Did you say they were called Kim Police? Kim Police, yes. That's a cool Isn't it? <laughs> it's not spelt like police is in The Police oh. featuring Sting. Yeah. P-O-L-E-S-E. Okay. There's a good chance it's probably pronounced Palace, but I've pronounced it Police on this occasion. Uh, but there's a there's a whistle stop tour of Java that you didn't ask for. Um, the US Billboard number one is... It's still Mariah Carey. Still Mariah Carey. <laughs> Get settled till March. Um, <laughs> one sweet day, still number one. Mariah Carey is currently getting ready to embark on her first international tour uh, where she'll play in Japan, Rotterdam, Germany, France, and London. Oh, just London. Just London. Of course, just London, because Britain's only London. <laughs> At least WWE did Newcastle as well yeah. as London before they flew to Paris. Um, the US Billboard number one is Mariah Carey. Still the UK Billboard, new number one. Do, 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 new number one. New number one. And it's George Michael. Ooh. What George Michael song do you reckon it is? Are you a George Michael aficionado? I do like a bit of George Michael. Mm. It's not Jesus to a child. Is it? Jesus to a child. It is. It is. Yeah, nailed it. The first of six singles from his third studio album called George <laughs> Michael. Older. <laughs> it's called Older. Um, a melancholy tribute to his lover, uh, Anselmo Felipe. Uh, after George Michael's death in 2016, Dame Esther Ranson, getting a name check on the classic Raw Review, it was only a matter of time, the uh, founder of the charity Childline, revealed that Michael, George Michael had secretly donated all of the singles royalties to the charity Childline. He was a fucking great fella, George he Michael. He really was, and he did it all on the QT. Yeah. He didn't make too much of a fuss, which is privately, quietly, very kind to charities. So nice George Michael, number one this week in the chart. Uh, the UK box office, number one. Is leaving Las Vegas. Nicholas Cage. That's it. So Nicholas Cage, uh, starring as suicidal alcoholic in, in L.A., having lost his family and been fired from his job, decided to move to Vegas and drink himself to death. He loads a supply of liquor and beer into his BMW, getting drunk as he drives from Los Angeles to Las Vegas. Once there, he gets into a romantic relationship with a pretty but hardened prostitute played by Elizabeth Shue. Uh, it was a box office success, grossing $49.8 million. Film received an approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes of 89% uh, with, the, with the review. Oscar-awarded Nicolas Cage finds humanity in his character as it bleeds away in this no-frills, exhilaratingly dark portrait of destruction. Great film. Never seen it. I've always mm. heard it's brilliant. Very powerful film. I, I'm hoping that Nicolas Cage returns to these big dramas because... For years, the meme we know is Nicolas Cage. A lot of that, he just did it because he was absolutely skint and owed yeah. a lot of people a lot of money because he's buying castles and stupid shit. And I think he basically said the other month, and he? he said, right, I've done all the bollocks now. 
I'm fine financially, so hopefully he... He's done like hundreds of crap films. Yeah. Just hundreds. My, me and my brothers joke quite a bit. The Most of the messages I have with my brothers isn't like, how are your kids getting on? Isn't how's the house that you've just moved into? Isn't like, how's everything in your world? I haven't seen you since Christmas. It's normally, look at this shit Nicolas Cage film I found on not on the internet. Wow, oh, superb. Superb. Uh, the US box office number one is From Dusk Till Dawn. Oh, fuck me. Big week for films. Uh, obviously, as we know, an American horror film. Well, you might not know, so I'm telling you. Directed by Robert Rodriguez, written by Quentin Tarantino, Harvey Keitel, George Clooney, and Juliette Lewis, as well as Tarantino, starring in the film, which follows a pair of American criminal brothers taking a family as hostages in order to cross the border into Mexico. And then the film just takes a whopping 180 as suddenly vampires turn up. If this was made today, Nicolas Cage would be in it. Oh my God, he would. I love when I first watched it. Like I watched it without any true knowledge of like what the crack is and what the film's like, and it was just like, okay, this is an interesting film. Like like about the human condition and all that. Fuck it, vampires just rock up out of nowhere with no warning, and then yeah. it becomes like a horror film. Yeah, they're just in a bar. Through. They're just in a bar, and you're like, God, Salma Hayek's bloody gorgeous. Yeah, and then, and then oh and yeah, then, Salma Hayek was uh, starring. This and then well. Danny Trejo turns up, and then there's just vampires, and it goes absolutely berserk. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. Financial, it's got a lot of financial success at the box office. It's become a cult film spawning a media franchise of sequels, a video game, and many other media adaptations. I've not seen it for years. Mm. We also had the Golden Globes yesterday in this week in the year of our Lord 1996. Hit me, hit uh, me with the big hitters. Okay, best movie nods went to Sense and Sensibility and Babe. Well, Babe's great. Yeah, it's great. Uh, Nicolas Cage wins Best Actor for Leaving Las Vegas. Go on, Nick. Uh, Sharon Stone wins Best Actress for Casino. Uh, best Comedy Performance is John Travolta in Get Shorty. Okay. Uh, supporting Actor Award went to Brad Pitt for 12 Monkeys. Amira Sorvino in Mighty Aphrodite. Never seen Mighty Aphrodite. Mm. Mel Gibson won Best Director for Braveheart. <laughs> yes. Freedom. Shit film. Best original <laughs> song, um, Colors of the Wind from Pocahontas. Can you play with <laughs> all the colors <laughs> of the wind? It beat You've Got a Friend in Me by Randy Newman. Ooh. Which in hindsight is a terrible mistake. <laughs> you Got a Friend in Me is more iconic. It's iconic is Randy Newman's You Got a Friend in Me. Was he at Gateshead recently? I'm pretty sure he did a gig in Gateshead. He, he did. I, has it actually been? Because I know that Adam Pacitti and Sam Driver had tickets for it for about six years. No, he broke his neck, didn't he? Oh, he did, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> um, so you th- need an EMT. <laughs> you need an EMT. <laughs> You've got problems, well, I've got them too. Need a hand when I go to the loo. <laughs> As you can see, I fucked up my knee and my neck and EMT. Uh, <laughs> I hope he comes and then we can sing that to him. Kelsey Grammer wins Best Lead Actor for a comedy TV series in Frasier. What a fucking show. Oh, but it didn't win Best Comedy. That went to Sybil. Sybil was a great show Sybil, as well. Sybil Shepherd also won Best Actress in a comedy TV series, so well done to her. Uh, one final bit from the Golden Globes, which I think is worth noting. Um, they had the Mr. Golden Globe um, honour in this one. So Mr. Golden Globe was the young person who assists the go- assists at the annual Golden Globe Awards presentations by handing out trophies to the winners and escorting them off the stage. Okay. So they had a, a, young, a young person who would be the person that would escort them on and off. Uh, the Mr. Golden Globe for 1996 was Freddie Prince Jr. <laughs> Notable wrestling. Everything comes person. full circle. Everything is wrestling. Everything. 
notable wrestling writer for WWE and about to start his own wrestling promotion, Freddie yeah. Prince Jr. Yeah. and Shaggy from Scooby-Doo that time. <laughs> so those are the real world notes. No, he's Fred. I've got. I had he to, was Fred. I didn't have to say that because I thought if Fraser Porter finds out that we've got Scooby Doo wrong, he'll go oh, on a tear. I thought he was Shaggy in Scooby Doo. No, that was Matthew Lillard from ah, Seven. Well, I apologise to Freddie Prince Jr. for all I've the times n- I've called him Shaggy from Scooby Doo. I've never seen those films, but I know that Linda Cardellini's in it, and Linda Cardellini can do no wrong. There you go. I, I believe that was a, a, a tea towel that uh, Jackins bought in the nineties. <laughs> Oh my fucking god! I'm getting that made. Linda Cardellini can do no wrong. I'll just hear Sean saying, "Shut up, about Linda Cardellini." <laughs> is she jealous? No, is she a free pass? Is she's no, she's not. <laughs> there was. Were you there when <laughs> Jack, Jack and his uh, girlfriend Bethany we were in the pub, and Jack was going on about um, you know celebrity crushes, and he said, "Oh yeah, I said one." And Bethany wasn't happy about it. And Bethany went, oh, the, what, the one from Scooby-Doo. And me and Fraser both turned around at the same time and went, what, Linda Cardellini? And Jack just went, thank you. Oh, <laughs> I wonder why she's not happy about it. I don't know. She, she was just like, ah, she's not fit. And we were just like, mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, well, I, I think Alex and I did have a conversation about free passes. I'm pretty sure hers is uh, Jason Momoa. I feel like she wants to upgrade it to Ridge Holland because she got to see him the other day and went, oh, I like him. Bit of Yorkshire beef. Said, All right, you can't come with me to the... I was going to say that can't one... Can't come with me to the backstage bits anymore. That one can't really count if it's someone you know, is it? <laughs> it's just, yeah, yeah. Who's your free pass? Oh, your, your mate Hannah. <laughs> That'd go well, wouldn't it? Yeah. I think mine was Charlotte Church for a while. Charlotte Church? Yeah. I had a real soft spot for Charlotte Church for a long time. Yeah. Something about, I don't know what it is about. I just, I guess. Oh, mine, mine's quite obvious. If we're going modern day, it's Scarlett Johansson. Nice. But I always get told from Sean, because she just says block. So if I'm just, someone's on TV, he's like, oh, they're all right. She's like, block. And the ones I've got to block the most are Debbie <laughs> Harry, <laughs> Bjork, <laughs> Kate Bush. <laughs> Uh, who else have I got a block? Uh, Helen Mirren. <laughs> Mate, it's just classy. Just, just Helen Mirren, though. Yeah. That's Sophia true. Loren. She's like, block Sophia Loren. It's like, no, I'm not blocking <laughs> Sophia. She might be 90. There's a clip of Helen Mirren when I think she was on Stephen Colbert's show. Yeah. She walks onto stage, I think a couple of years ago, and she just grabs his face and kisses him, like really gently. And I think everybody went, <laughs> I did as well. Yeah, Mirren, Jesus. So, uh, what a lady. Basically, what a lady. Basically, yeah. I just sit there with Sean and go, she's all right. <laughs> she's like, fuck <laughs> up. Shut up. So. Can't have them. Can't have them. Anyway, wrestling. Wrestling. So, <laughs> this is a record for us. 33 minutes. 33 minutes into the classic Raw review. Oh. We're about to talk about wrestling. This is what happens when we don't see each other for it's five days. This is what happens. It just builds up and builds up and builds up. <coughs> we didn't I... even sing Fry Height yet. Oh, we promised upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> we promised upstairs that we'd find a reason to sing Fry Height to keep in the dream alive. We'll do it later. We'll do it later. We'll do it later. Put a pin in it. <laughs> Banger. Uh, hey. Right, so from the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, dated January 29th, 1996. Oh. <laughs> it's a weird one this week, because there's a lot of... It's like hefty, but there's only about four stories. You may mm. have picked up on some that I hadn't. It's basically... 
I started by getting Dave's opinion on the Rumble. Mm. And a burp. <laughs> that what Dave, that's what Dave said. That's what he said. He just recorded a burp. Shortest newsletter ever. <laughs> uh, he said, the Rumble was another step in what appears to be the new direction for WWF. So stiffer blows, high risk matches, and a general lack of psychology and focus to the matches. Another burp there. Well done. The bit where I have to actually do my job as opposed to talking about hell and mirror. <laughs> so the Rumble was more violent than of the past WWF standards, more foreign objects being used liberally, which until recently had been a no-no, although no blood. He's saying the work rate was below the level of most of the shows in 1995, but there's more high-risk maneuvers, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Ahmed Johnson just launching himself out of the <laughs> ring and doing a front flip leg drops all of a sudden. It's a great time. He said, ironically, with the exception of Shawn Michaels, Jake Roberts received the biggest crowd reaction, including a DDT chant. As we've gone over before, this is meant to be a one-shot for Jake Roberts because uh, he's you know, retired from the business to become a preacher. And as we'll see later in 1996, it wasn't a one-shot. No. But at this point, I think WWF looked at it and thought, fuck, Jake's still over. He hasn't had to do anything. People are chanting DDT. They're popping for the snake. Uh, and he's he's tearing in here, Dave, to Vince McMahon and Mr. Perfect, saying that, you know, the the... They're not good together. They missed several eliminations. They've got a lack of knowledge when it comes to moves and saying that they're just not calling attention to the moves. They're not bringing names to the moves so the fans aren't as invested. I wonder whether that's um, like a Vince McMahon thing in general because if you listen to NXT, the commentary there especially, there isn't much in the way of calling moves. Well, that's, there's more storyline stuff, and I wonder whether that's just like a Vince thing. Well, that's why that's why I brought it up because I was like, yeah, Vince hasn't really changed. Because mm. thinking back, apart from the, you know, the finishes, or you know, Jr. would say something during the Attitude Era about something being similar to some baseball fucker. But WCW, obviously, with Mike Tenay, and Mike Tenay is just like, oh, that's a you know, flaming Hadougarade. I don't know what that is, but yeah, there's something to be said for not getting too bogged down in the detail. Because I listen to a lot of commentary because I do a little bit myself and I listen to a lot of other people do commentary because I'm always intrigued to see what my peers doing and see like um, where I can improve and what I can build on and um, I noticed there are some commentators that I've heard where basically all they do is say the moves and don't really add anything else to it yeah and I was, it's almost like they, they're silent waiting for the next move to happen so they call them and I, some, I think some people take the idea of calling the moves too literally when I feel like you kind of have to strike a little happy medium of going, I'm going to announce when there are key moves and why they are key, but also I'd pepper this with storyline and reason behind it. You know, I would rather somebody explain why the wrestler is working over the leg mm. than announce five different leg holds. That's why, you see what I mean. That's why I'm, I'm enjoying, because, you know, Tony Khan's paying me money. Yes. That's why I'm enjoying Excalibur and Taz together because I think they strike the balance fine. Yes, they do. Because Taz will explain why someone's working a shoulder and then be like, oh, you see there, you know, he's doing this, doing that. Excalibur will be like, oh, shades of some fuck you've never heard of from some promotion <laughs> you've never heard of, but also put it over. I do I do agree there's a happy medium. Mm-hmm. But I do think sometimes with WWE, he's like, oh, he's hitting with that. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's oh, hit a thing. Oh, look at him do the... Oh. He sports entertained him. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want some... <laughs> Do you got some Eric Bischoff bollocks? Fucking yeah. So you know the way that, you know, WCW aren't bothered by... Not bothered anyway, time. mate. Not they bothered. Bov- nah, not, not bothered. Look at my face. Is it bothered? 
Who, who cares about their billionaire Ted? Yeah, fuck it. Eric Bischoff is. So he went on a 10 minute segment with Mike Tanay on the WCW hotline. <laughs> uh, so he's just basically saying, ah, WF can fuck off, basically. <laughs> he said, yeah, I wasn't a gamble to go head to head with Monday Night Raw. Uh, he believed WCW had the superior talent. But he felt because Raw was so entrenched and people are creatures of habit, they thought it would take two years before WCW could match Raw's, Raw's ratings. So he's basically saying, I've done it in less than two years. <laughs> he said, pay-per-view buy rates have been dropping for the past 18 months, so he didn't believe Nitro was the cause. Brackets, the mark drop in buy rates starting in September would make it obvious Nitro is the cause. And uh, you know, he's throwing more shade at WF saying, oh, In Your House is just a, you know, a television show with a price tag added to it and the shit. Uh, about Billionaire Ted itself, Bischoff says, clearly it's desperation. Clearly he's a desperate man doing desperate things. <laughs> and although on TV, apparently, he's he's not attacking WF as much. He's thinking, oh, I'll just lay off the gas a bit, especially after the steroid stuff. Yeah. Um, Literally lay off the gas. <laughs> Literally. But then he goes, he, he defends WCW steroid program and claims there are a number of people who had a hard time complying with the WCW steroid policy who ran off to the WWF, basically implying something that is totally untrue as not the wrestlers in question <laughs> left because of a WCW steroid policy and went to WWF for that reason. Regarding the skits and Vince McMahon, he said, here's a guy who spent the better part of three years in court because he has a problem and had a problem. He then knocked Goldust saying, Vince, if that's the epitome of your creativity, I feel sorry for you. Wow. Bischoff praised Dustin Rhodes as a wrestler and a person and said it was embarrassing what McMahon's doing to him. He continued the I feel sorry for you line when addressing the there's going to be an upcoming billionaire Ted match apparently for WrestleMania. Spoiler for next week. Ooh. He's saying, I feel sorry for Vince McMahon if he has to hire imposters to draw a number on his pay-per-views and finished, listen to this for a killer line. He said, Vince McMahon's just the Vern Gagne of the 90s and that his time has come and passed. Wow. I saw that. I was like, oh, that's a fucking and, mic drop. And that's Bischoff who loves Vern Gagne. Loves Vern Gagne. <laughs> he, got loves. The, he got his gig in wrestling because of Vern Gagne. Yeah. And the AWA. Yeah. That's that's rough. That yeah. is rough. But isn't it funny how like the Goldust comment in particular, how that was the general consensus of people away from um away from WWE's line of thinking. Yeah. Is they just saw WWE had hired Dustin Runnels, uh Dustin Rhodes, and was just like, oh, we're gonna we're not gonna acknowledge his past, his history, his lineage, and we're gonna make him a wacky character. Yeah. Again, like WWE gets a lot of grief now, but like the stuff they're doing now, they've done it forever. Yeah. Uh, they've done it forever. And then you look at you'd be like, right, what would be better? Bringing in Dustin Rhodes and turning him into Goldust or bringing him into Ted DiBiase Jr. and saying, go ahead, fill the shoes of your dad. Yeah. Like, <laughs> there is that. I mean, there's a, there's, a, there's been a, a, many other people on the WWE roster who are secondary. Bron Breaker. Yeah. Bron Breaker. He, Michael McGillicuddy. To be fair to Bron Breaker, he is a Steiner in everything but name. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's true. You want a friend? Get a dog! <laughs> <laughs> that's a great line. <laughs> you want a friend? Get a dog. I'm trying, to think of, I'm trying to think of another example where they've just gone so far away from... There's been loads. I'm sure there are. I'm sure you'll tell me as well. Umanga. 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 Um, there's been... Yeah, there's, there's loads. So, like, this isn't something no. new. Uh, <laughs> this one just made me laugh because what a great name. Uh, brackets. Joe Gomez is headed to WCW. Who wrestles under the name Alan Iron Eagle? <laughs> what a great fucking name! Alan Iron Eagle. Alan A I E A I E A I E. 
Alan, Iron, Eagle, twat. Um, <laughs> Who's shouting twat at the back? Is it you? Uh, it's Bulldog. Time... <laughs> twat! I just before. Hey, eagle. Can't be an animal. I'm a dog. I'll, I'll bite an yeah. eagle. I'll be the Bulldog Eagle Man. <laughs> what would, that's a weird comp. John, what would a Bulldog Eagle Man look like? Have fun with that. Bulldog Eagle Man. <laughs> and, it, and it has to have a speech bubble out going, dear God, someone please kill me. I was going to say, it's Bulldog Eagle Man. Any relation to Engelbert Humperdinck? <laughs> Put Engelbert Humperdinck in the picture too. Ah, oh, sorry, John. Manager. <laughs> do you want, do you Place want to... the ring by Engelbert Humperdinck, Bulldog Eagle Man. Talking to crazy bollocks. Oh, and you... Benedict Cumberbatch. Talking to crazy bollocks. I'm oh, sorry, yeah, back on track, crazy Engelbert, bollocks. Oh, I mean, we've already gone 45. <laughs> <laughs> so Eric Bischoff met with Antonio and Oki. <laughs> Multiverse is opening! Oh, it gets weird. <laughs> so Inoki managed to get uh, Paco Alonso and Antonio Pena together in a meeting earlier that week in Las Vegas. And also got a meeting with Fidel Castro <laughs> about putting on an international wrestling show in Cuba over the next year or wow! so. Wow! Because I think doing a show in North Korea yeah. isn't... isn't Dicey enough. <laughs> Let's chat to Castro! And knowing Inoki, he's probably stroking his chin thinking, oh... There's, there's, there's room for a caper here. <laughs> this sounds problematic. Let's do it. So, uh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> collision wants... in Cuba. Give it me now. <laughs> it's just, yeah. And Inoki's on one. He's like, ah, oh, fuck it. I'm mates with Del Castro. I'm mates <laughs> with the Koreans. I want to have a meeting with, at the same time, I want to meet in with Eric Bischoff and Vince McMahon. Obviously, Vince McMahon went, <laughs> no. <laughs> No. And Anoki's no. gone, aha, I think you mean yes. You mean yes. We worked together in the past. I was WWF champion. Tell, he tell was, the people. Tell he was the, the WWF martial arts champion as well, lest he, we forget. He was. WWF martial arts champion. Wrestling Curiosity is a whole episode on that belt. You can find that on the podcast. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to I don't know where to find that. On Spotify? <laughs> on Spotify. And look wherever up, look you up, find Look up martial arts there. championship. There's not many podcasts devoted to the martial arts championship, but Dickhead here did one. You can find it on your podcast feed. This is why he's the workhorse of the podcast world. <laughs> so, yeah, again, a bit of a non-story, but I see the words Antonio Inoki and Fidel Castro, and I'm fucking putting it in. Oh, my God, yeah, that's amazing. That's a great story. <laughs> so then one last bit. There's a couple of bits we'll touch on later in the show. Mm -hmm. So bit of WWF news. Very, there was a very tiny WWF segment this week because there'd been two pay-per-views, so it'd been a busy recap week. So news-wise, it was a waffle. So Vader's deal, he, he came in for the Royal Rumble, mm -hmm. and then he worked these tapings, as we will see on this episode of Raw. And his deal to work these tapings was put together at the last minute. Originally, he was coming in just for the Rumble. And then a bit of Dave, he put, speaking of Vader... The latest episode he was in on Boy Meets World aired on January 19th. He does his total Vader character exactly like in wrestling, <laughs> with the same name and everything as the father of this huge middle school kid that everyone is afraid of, named Frankie the Enforcer. I remember this episode. Right, so here's Dave's editorial comment, which is just... Uh. Seeing an exaggerated wrestling character in the context of a supposed real-life world setting is really funny. Although what <laughs> it's he, really funny. Although what he actually does is nothing different than what you would see of him on wrestling, and it isn't at all funny in a wrestling context. <laughs> so he's got, that's funny there, but not in wrestling. wrestling. <laughs> it's funny, but not how I think it's funny. Yeah. So that's the. I love you, Dave. Yeah, it's just been it's been a week of just. 
basically Bischoff saying, ah, fuck off, Vince. And we'll hear more of Bischoff telling Vince to fuck off mm. later on. We'll go a little deeper into that when we get when we catch up on the Classic Nitro review as well, because uh, you know we're coming up to January on that as well, so we'll dig a little bit more Ooh. into that as well uh, in, in the podcast in a few weeks' time. But for now, uh, let's go to Monday Night Raw for January the 22nd, 1996. The ratings for last week. Whoo! The biggest, uh, the biggest divide in the Monday Night War so far. Raw, 2.4. Mm. Nitro, 3.5. And as we'll hear from Bischoff later, he was happy about in this. In his pomp about all yeah, this. Yeah, he was. Uh, they were competing with the Raw Go Home that we talked about on the Classic Raw Review the other week. Uh, they had Savage versus Luger as the opening match of the night on Nitro that night. Public Enemy versus American Males. Uh, American Males. <laughs> Sting versus Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan versus Meng. So right. the, low, the bases were loaded uh, uh, on a go-home show. When you said show. Sting versus Flair, I was like, fucking yeah, and then Hogan versus Meng. Yeah, Hogan versus Meng went on last. Ovs. Um, the tapings are in Stockton in America, not the Teesside one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> be very different... I've been to a wrestling show in Stockton. It's a very different vibe. Um, a sellout crowd of 2,904 people. Dave says, I recognize that numbers tell a different story, and the numbers are the story that's most important. But the crowd in Stockton was so hot, certainly gave the impression this was a promotion that had tremendous momentum behind it. Oh, this crowd were fucking they were great. great. They were really good. There's a, there's a few things on this show that were brilliant in their own right, but the crowd just puts it over the top. Yeah. Uh, Pre-show dark match we had uh, Headhunters getting a tryout as the uh, Samoan squat team. We saw them at the Rumble. We did. A very uninspiring (laughs) Rumble involvement. Uh, They faced Avatar and Aldo Montoya in a dark match. (sighs) Meltzer's review didn't look that great. (laughs) No shit. Wow, really? They didn't look great? I don't know whether we'll see them again. Oh, more on that. Uh, We start off with Sonny playing pool. In a sexy way. Ooh. Every Raw now st- will start with Sonny being salacious. No. Get well soon, Sonny. I'm sorry you're in so much bother. He's just... <laughs> Am I sorry? I don't know. Uh, it's not nice. Yeah. It's, a, it's a gray area. Um, video package from last night's Royal Rumble. From the shocking to the bizarre. Ugh. From the titillating to the revolting. Ugh. It was absolutely outrageous. Ugh. We then move on to tonight's lineup. Jeez. Right, we've got the click going to war. So Razor Ramon, who's been crying about like having to work with Goldust for a bit. <laughs> Kisses man. I want to work with Helmsley. Fine, you got a match with Helmsley on Raw. Sorry. So we've got Goldust versus Hunter Hearst Helmsley tonight. And bloody hell, the Intercontinental Champion facing the WWF Champion in the main event, Goldust versus Bret Hart. Did you notice the music that was played at this bit as well? Because it, it was playing like usual WWF music and it cut to it like a very generic Nirvana sounding riff. It sounded oh. a bit like Rate Me. And I was thinking, oh, that's a bit of a, a sea change. Could we be turning the corner then mm. catching on to the miserable Gen X zeitgeist? But, very possibly. But we'll see later with the uh, Raw Band. No, oh my no, God, they yes. haven't. Yeah, they haven't. Uh, Stockton, <laughs> California for a live episode of Raw. This arena looked Great. I love this arena. Yeah. It looks a bit like a theater. Yeah, it does. It's so good. That was boss. Uh, Savio Vega is the first man out for the night. Jim Cornette comes out shortly after that, asking, what is the most important question right now? Nothing to do with America's deficit, financial politics, bollocks, blah, blah, blah. The most important question is, what time is it? It's Vader Tam, 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 tam. Here is Vader making his WWF Raw debut. 
bigged up as the biggest signing in the history. He's not even signed yet. No, he isn't. And this is what's incredible about this. Uh, he's not signed a WWF contract, although I expect it will happen in the days that are come, says Dave Meltzer. Yeah. There are details regarding Japan that haven't been worked out yet. I think yeah. He's still keen to, to do some dates over there. They'll, they'll talk on that more. I was thinking on this, and, and it's clear why Vader jumps out as so special at this time. The more I think about it, right? It's because as we talked about a few minutes ago, everybody coming into the WWF at this point, they're they're kind of going through like the WWF gimmickomatic machine yeah. before they get there. Like all your like you know your Jean Paul Levesque is retooled as Hunter Hearst Helmsley as he's come in. Steve Austin's been retooled as the Ringmaster. Good Good on the mid card. Uh, Louis Spicoli's come through as Rad Radford. You yeah. see Chris Candida coming through as Skip from the Body Donners. Yeah. So everybody's getting a, like a bit of a retooling as they come through. Not Vader. No. Vader is pretty much as he was in Japan. We haven't got the Smoking Mastodon. Which is fucking cool. Which is cool, but we haven't <laughs> got it. Nor do we have, like, it's it's not as aggressive a style, but it's still aggressive. Yeah. So it's kind of a little bit pared back from some of the stuff he did in Japan where he punched people in the face till they, they were sick. But it's otherwise, like, Vader. Yeah. As Vader. He's, no, we've lost the big van. But he's Vader. Yeah. And that's great. Even, yeah, even from WCW, like, he was still fucking mean in WCW, like, (laughs) ripping off Cactus Jack's ear and stuff. Yeah. I know, that was an accident, but still. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, like, yeah, I hadn't even thought about that because as soon that's why I think he stands out you know and as soon as he comes out all the crowd are just like fucking Vader yeah and they're yeah. doing the hand and when Corner asks what time it is you hear people hear you hear people you hear people you hear people shouting Vader time and they're just like look at this fucking fella yeah, he's a beast he gets in there uh, to face Savio Vega Savio has a little flurry he even knocks Vader out of the ring at one point Vader lands on his feet Otherwise, this is all Vader. He crushes Savio in the corner and hits a Vader bomb in just over two minutes to get a a squash of a win, pretty much, over Vader. Post-match, Vader lands another Vader bomb on Savio Vega and then starts battering referees. Corderas gets hoyed out of the ring. Chad Patton eats a powerbomb. (laughs) Gorilla Monsoon heads out to accost Vader. Monsoon informs the announcer that because of his actions uh, to announce that Vader has been suspended indefinitely from the WWF. This makes him, this only makes him matter! Despite Cornette's best plea, that's a very obscure... Uh, League of Gentlemen reference. No, don't do it. You'll make a matter. If you know, 10 points. Um, despite Cornette's best pleas for calm, like Vader is just like, un- he can't be tamed. He sizes up Gorilla Monsoon a couple of times. Look, oh. Every time it goes up to Gorilla, like uh, Gorilla's in the corner helping Chad Patton, like trying to like, get him up. And every time Vader goes up to, to, to Gorilla, like the crowd are like, they're coming alive. They're like, no, no. Like There's a real like fear yeah. for Gorilla Monsoon. Gorilla's not frightened of Vader. Gorilla stands up to Vader, takes his glasses off at one point. I thought, well, that's a mistake. If you get into a fight, we'll be able to see the fucker. Um, <laughs> but it was a good visual effect of Gorilla going, all right, if you want to throw, we'll go. They end up not. He goes back to the corner. Vader goes back over to him, grabs him by the shoulder and turns Gorilla Monsoon physically around. Hey, you! 
Gorilla Monsoon starts lighting up Vader with chops. The crowd are losing their minds at this. This is the the first time since probably the 70s yeah. that the Gorilla Monsoon's got physically involved in a wrestling angle. Because we've always known him as Cuddly Uncle Gorilla. Yeah. Like on commentary, oh, this place is going bananas and all this. And now he's just like, you big fucking bastard, let's have a go. I think the last thing he did of any physical nature was when he literally threw Gorilla, uh, Bobby Heenan out, out of, Raw, yeah. of Raw. That's the last thing he did that was of any sort of physicalness. He grabbed him by the scruff of the neck and hoyed him out. So, like, Gorilla lighting up Vader's chest. Cornette is, like, apoplectic. Like, you got to calm down, Vader. Vader's not having it. Vader's got nothing to lose at this point. He's already been suspended. Gorilla sized him up. So then he runs into the corner and squashes Gorilla Monsoon oh, in the yeah. corner. He then lands a Vader bomb on Gorilla Monsoon. At uh, this point, Shawn Michaels, Razor Ramon, Savio Vega all hit the ring. Vader takes a powder. On the way out of the ring, he's in the face of Vince McMahon. And again, like Vince McMahon, who we know as the, 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 the commentator, it's not always ostensibly recognized that he's the guy behind the scenes. Yeah. So him getting in the face, I think there was something there I thought was really special. So Vader getting up and getting in Vince's face and then Vader leaves with Cornette just like, like just like lost for words around this guy that they cannot tame. We then get police in the ring, medical staff, Gorilla Monsoon taken out of a, on a gurney out of the arena. This was excellent. From beginning to end, this was one of the best segments I've seen on Raw in a long time. See, it's it's gone down as one of the iconic Raw moments. Yeah. And this is my first time seeing it in context. So I've seen it, obviously, because everyone of a certain vintage has seen Vader absolutely battering Grill Monster. <laughs> but seeing it, yeah, the crowd helped. They were on fire. Yeah. And like you said, one of the stars of this was Jim Cornette. Because not mm. only is he trying to calm down Vader, he's terrified of him. Yeah. And Vader's like threatening to twat him at one point. And yeah, brilliant. You got JJ Dillon out there. You got Wurzel. You got all the lads. And <laughs> this is how you build a heel. This is how you get him over. And this is how you get his finisher over. This is his second appearance. In the Rumble, he went mad and started throwing people out. Second night in the job and he's, you know, battering Uncle Gorilla and getting suspended straight away. And you're like, this dude's fucking, he's, he's Raj. But, he is Raj. But he's yeah. so good. And... Meltzer will go on to say that the reason they've written off Vader, obviously he's not officially signed yet, but he's got to guess shoulder surgery. Yeah. So I seem to remember we, this was something that we might have touched on a few weeks we ago. We did, yeah, yeah. He was coming in injured. Yeah. And as you say, not only the fact he hasn't signed, but also because he's injured, they want to do something just to remind people how brilliant he is, but then just get him off telly. Yeah, so he's, he's going off surgery and hopefully he'll be back for mania. But my God, what a commitment to uh, a star that you've not signed yet yeah. to do it this way. Because you could have... The thing is, like they could have easily just not had Vader on Raw. Oh, yeah. And it would have been fine. But the fact that they've not signed him, the fact that he has surgery, they've still gone, actually, we want to present you as a, a, a dominant force. I think they're thinking already down the road for like... Um, Shawn Michaels, yeah, as, and which we, were, which is the match that we will get to in months to come. Shawn, um, mm, but this was um, <laughs> this in terms of like writing a first chapter for somebody. This was amazing, Perfect. amazing. Perfect. Yeah. If you watch one bit from this week's Raw, watch that. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. 
United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. We go backstage after the break. Vader is still in rage. He's got Cornette by the collar. At one point, because Cornet is still trying to talk Vader down yeah. at this point. And he's got Cornet by the collar and Vader looks down the camera and he says he's waging war on everybody in the WWF, including Vince McMahon. Uh, uh, there's a, a, an unintentionally funny bit where I think he forgets Jerry Lawler's name. <laughs> he does. Including you, Mr. McMahon, and you, Mr. Mr. <laughs> Then start smashing up I a bin. Squat, fuck out of a bin, a big metal bin, and just go fuck off. And he's just flattening it as Jim Cornette's like, "Oh, what he's trying to say is," and then dude, McMahon's talking over it as this absolute shaven bear of a human being is flattening a bin. Oh, it's <laughs> mint. It's oh, it's great. It's a really, really, really fun bit. I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot. Right, uh, we move on. Hunter Hearst Helmsley takes on Razor Ramon. He is accompanied by Shay Marks, a brunette beauty, playing the role of the arm candy. Couldn't find anything about Shay Marks, but I'm pretty sure this is the lady that we talked about a few weeks ago. It was meant yeah, to come in as be. sister love. Yeah. So we'll, I'll do some more digging on her for next week if she's still the arm candy. Yeah, because I tried looking up and obviously... As we'll see in weeks that will go by, it's it's a revolving door of totty. <laughs> will for Hunter Hearst. I was going to say this will all eventually build to China, but it won't, will it? Because this will because we won't get China, China until nineteen ninety seven. Early ninety seven, won't it? Yeah, we won't. Yeah, we won't get China for another year yet. So. so is it a revolving door of beauties? Then he's on his own for a bit. Then he has Mister Hughes. The beauties stop at Sable. Right. At Mania. At Mania, because then Sable goes off with, spoiler, Mark Merrin. Johnny B. Bad. Um, <laughs> have mercy. Yeah. Then we have a bit of Mr. <laughs> then we have a bit of Mr. Hughes yeah. space action, and then we get China. Okay. So we'll, um, this is every Hunter Hearst Helms, the arm candy, ranked from worst to best. Join us. Don't, because <laughs> I've just had to put all of these in a list. <laughs> Yeah, thanks, dun, dun, dun. Okay, uh, as the match is starting, the crowd go from wolf whistling for Shay to chanting Razor very loud. They are a great they, crowd. Yeah. We get a picture in picture of Ted DiBiase and the 123 Kid, uh, which is this becomes a stoic reminder of, yeah, that angle was good, but there's a lot of things in this company that are still shit. Um, 123 Kid and Ted DiBiase start calling Razor Ramona crybaby because apparently, like, this is, this is the thing, like, this is playing on something that happened months ago. 
Mm. And they're just kind of getting back to it. So I was a bit baffled. You know what you do with a crybaby? You shove a bottle in his mouth and change his diaper, they say, holding up both items in a harbinger of doom if there ever was one. Oh, oh dear. Is yeah. all I've got oh dear. A, this, is, this will be the swan song for Razor Ramon. Uh, uh, yeah. Isn't it ridiculous? The what swan... a way to send him away I mean, with yeah. this feud. Not too long for this world for Sean Waltman either. No. But it's every week, and especially what we just saw of Vader, we keep saying, oh, we're tipped so into the attitude here. Mm. And then the new generation grabs us and pulls us back. <laughs> Not yet, kiddo. Helmsley gets bounced all over the place by Razor Ramon in this one until Razor gets low bridged and sent crashing to the floor during the break. Uh, Razor brought back into the ring with a crotch over the rope. Jerry Lawler is interviewing Shay Marks, trying to get her to give him a massage. So standard journalism from Jerry the King Lawler. Fuck me, Jerry. <laughs> That's what he was hoping she'd say. Uh, Helmsley dominates Razor for a bit at this point. One, two, three kid enters the ringside area and that large baby bottle that he had in the picture in picture puts it in Razor's mouth while he's prone on the canvas. This seems to wake Razor up, which I'm sure isn't the point of a baby bottle. <laughs> it flattens Hunter before chasing the kid round the ring. So, and, and this was all fine. This was all in context. And then, then Sean Waltman spits on Razor Ramon. Yeah. As he stops running after him, so he goes gauzes on him from a distance. Like, hey, yeah. I thought I was good. I was like, oh, you ratty little cunt. Ratty little knacker. Uh, so Razor continues to chase the one, two, three kid, and it gets counted out to ten. And Hunter Hurst Helmsley wins by count out in this one. Um, uh, it's all right, though, because Razor gets his revenge. He gets back in the ring, gives him a Razor's edge for good measure. Well, he goes to, but he, he, he wiggles out. He was going to. Yeah, sorry. Um, Observer writes, Helmsley showed more potential to be a star in this match than ever before. Mm -hmm. They're doing a Playboy gimmick where he shows up with a different beautiful woman every week. Cheers, Dave. Cheers, Dave. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, what do you reckon to Helmsley and Ray's? I really like that. They work very well together. You can mm. tell the mates. They should have done that ages ago. A pity they'll never have a feud, as far as I'm aware. When Scott Hall's back, Triple no. H is in the title picture, isn't he, with Jericho? Mm -hmm. And then even though like we've got... So, I mean, they, they kind of cross paths a little bit, it's sort of post WrestleMania because mm. you've got the build to Triple H versus Hogan at Backlash. Yeah. Sit and watch as the young grow old. It's the soundtrack from Creed. We're holes while But yeah, I thought this was really good. Ultimately, it was all for now because it was just an angle. Mm. And I thought as well with. They were saying the potential for Helmsley to look like a star. He's still undefeated. And by avoiding the razor's edge, he keeps his heat. Keeps him fresh. He doesn't just get like, just like oh, look at this. Gimp, I could have razor's edge them whenever I wanted. Yeah, He's like, nah. I like that they scuttled out of it and yeah. kept that for another day. So yeah, job done. Vince McMahon announces, for the last time, for comedic purposes. For comedic purposes. If honest, your lawyers, we present the final episode of Billy Dare Ted's Wrestling War Room. Uh, Ted Turner, surrounded by his goons, says he built Turner by buying old assets and repackaging them. Movies, cartoons, wrestlers. It's quite a good line, actually. Yeah. Very on the nose. Um, he's keen to try and work out one original idea. The board all go deep in thoughts. Hogan falls asleep as the as a Jeopardy ripoff plays. <laughs> yeah, I've got that as well. Fake Jeopardy music. Fake Jeopardy music plays. Scheme Gene has an idea. 
tells everybody to call his hotline to hear it, to which everybody pulls out their gorgeous 90s mobile phones and start dialing rapidly. Like the size of this paper oh, on my hand. The WWF, don't fall for cheap imitations. Tame, yeah. but a few nice ribs. Yeah, yeah. Observer. Uh-oh. So you mentioned before about that big win for WCW, and obviously Eric Bischoff, you know, he's he's he, he's a good winner. He's a good winner. So he... Uh, he decided to call Vince McMahon. <laughs> Vince McMahon didn't take the call. So Eric Bischoff left a message with uh, with Vince's secretary saying, tell Vince McMahon to continue whatever it is he's doing with the billionaire Ted skits. Oh. So that's the commitment there. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, keep doing it. Keep doing it. People don't fucking It's fine. It's yeah. fine. I quite like it. Um, we come away from that full of positivity for the WWF and a band is playing. <laughs> It's the Raw Band. It's the Raw Band. So this is a series of session musicians and Doc Hendricks dad dancing next to them. Mm. Did I see Jim Johnson on guitar as well? You did indeed see Jim Johnson on guitar. He is amongst them. Whenever they need an air guitarist, they give Jim Johnson a call. I remember when he was in the DX band that time. Oh, God. It was great. It was like your dad just started jamming with your mates. Hey, guys, I can play a tune. I can break it down. I've, I've got mixed feelings about this. Why? I like the fact that it feels kind of like late night, like chat shows, and it feels live and it feels less sterile. But you've got like cheesy blues rock with a sax going wild. You've mm. got Doc Hendricks playing air guitar. Meanwhile, ECW using White Zombie, Nine mm. Inch Nails, Ice Cube. And like I said earlier before, there was that kind of Nirvana-esque riff. And you're like, okay, okay, this starts to turn a corner. And as we'll see next year, you know, there's one episode of Raw where Marilyn Manson's the theme tune. But here they're just like, hey, it's Raw, you know, we're bluesy. It's like in Wayne's yeah. World, when Wayne's World gets bought and it's like, Wayne's World, party time. Yeah, that's a great description. It's like that. It's like, oh, they're almost there. Almost it's there. just a bit too... Cheesy. Bit still, yeah. We'll yeah. figure we'll figure it out. We'll see whether the the the, the band come back. Uh, Vince cuts them off after a few seconds to welcome his guest, the winner of the 1996 Royal Rumble, Shawn Michaels. One thing I had issue with here, and they said at the beginning of the show, Vince goes, "Oh, it's the man who made history at the Rumble." I was like, "He didn't though, did he?" He did. How? Is he not the first person to win it twice in a row? No, he's not. Is he? Hogan did. Well, oh, I've put unless he was the first person called Shawn Michaels to win back to back rumbles. No, he's. I mean, you could argue that anytime anybody does anything, they make history. True, it's, yeah. Because it's history. He made history as being the only person to win the nineteen ninety six Royal Rumble. <laughs> you could argue. Yeah. That. Okay. Okay. It's it's a it's it's a it's a grandstanding statement. Yeah. To make to, and and WWF is very good at this point. This is the same company that just a few months ago had a battle of the legends between Goldust and Savio Vega. In Goldust's first, second match, second match. His second match. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Battle of the legends. So they do tend to use these words very. Uh, they're, they're, they're very ecumenical with the truth. True. <laughs> so it did technically make history by being, it's in the history books that he won the Rumble. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll let you off. We get the Rocker Pop for Shawn Michaels. I discovered the phrase Rocker Pop recently. I've never heard of Rocker Pop before. So you've got the Road Warrior Pop. Yeah. Which is like, oh my God. The Rocker Pop is when, like when the young rockers came out and all the girls would scream. Okay. It's called the Rocker Pop. Uh, oh. Potentially also a Von Erich pop, I would imagine, because obviously the Von Erich boys were all very handsome. They were handsome, sexy boys. So I'm trying to think the other pop then, would it be a Hogan or a Cena pop where it's little kids popping? 
I always call it the Cena pop. I think the Cena pop. Where Cena comes out and you hear all the kids go, hey, and all the neck beers like, we go, fuck off, John. <laughs> Shite. <laughs> that would be the Cena pop. Yeah. That would be, yeah. So the, 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 the Cena pop, the Rocker pop, the Road Warrior pop. And the Lollipop. And the Lollipop, which is just nice to have. <laughs> but yeah, I like that. Rock pop. The Rocker pop for Shawn Michaels. He says, I hate to say I told you so, but I told you so. HBK is back in the saddle again. He has a three-step plan. Does Shawn Michaels. The Rumble, WrestleMania, and oh, there's another one before the WrestleMania. <laughs> this bit wasn't <clears throat> particularly well thought out. Um, yeah. The, the third prong in his plan is before WrestleMania and it's to and it's to get his hands on the young man who takes credit for taking me out. He does promise to sort out the nine chumps in Syracuse that actually took him out. Yeah, mate. Yeah. You, good luck with that. <laughs> you did a good job first time around <laughs> against one fella. This time <laughs> this time I'm gonna help Bulldog take his seatbelt off. <laughs> 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 Oh, got me yogurt. <laughs> Why has he got yogurt? Fucking got me yogurt. Well, when they were... I love a post-beer yogurt. <laughs> get me, get me to a spa. I need six-pack of munch bunch. You know, <laughs> you know how much I love the moment I finish drinking to have a muller fruit corner. <laughs> I don't eat the fruit, though. I just eat yogurt. I don't have a yogurt roller one. They're too sweet. <laughs> too sweet. Keep me up, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> they're too, they're too sweet, aren't they, Scott? That's what he keeps saying. Oh, that's too sweet. Too sweet, Rolo Yogurt. <laughs> Every time I watch the NWR, I think, oh, they're very, oh, they're, they talk a lot about Rolo Yogurts. <laughs> too sweet. <laughs> anyway, Shawn Michaels is too sweet. He wants, he wants to sort out Owen Hart because Owen Hart has been the one that's claiming he. And injured Shawn Michaels because it was the enziguri that he gave him that, that made him fall yeah. over, that led to tell me a lie, that led to him that led to him getting a second chance by ignoring the doctor's advice to never <laughs> wrestle again. I've been given another chance. No, you haven't. You're going against doctor's orders. Yeah, it's not a second chance. You sexy boy, you sexy boy. Um, Jim Cornette comes out. <laughs> I've been glad to be away from Vader for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> he says there's no incentive for Owen to face Shawn Michaels so he says you get, you've got nothing that we want to give you a match for Michael says he'd do anything in the world to have Owen Hart in a match Cornette has a little idea you see the little light bulb go off above his heed he asks Shawn to put his Wrestlemania title shot on the line he says if you're a chicken say you're a chicken if you're a mouse squeak or put up the title shot oh that's a cool line Shawn Michaels asks the click what they want the click being not, not Kev Kev what do you reckon? Do it, Sean. Go on, do it, lad. <laughs> Good lad, that. Hey, it's too sweet. It's your old yogurt. There's yogurt to the one. Mate, where'd you get these yogurts from? They're amazing. <laughs> well, it's too sweet for me. <laughs> Fuck <laughs> off, bulldog. Look, too, <laughs> too sweet for me. Ooh, the crow, eh? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Let's cross so many stories. It's great. <laughs> Cut straight through. The Crow, eh? Mm. Um, <laughs> Shawn Michaels promises to do to Owen what he's about to do to Cornette, uh, which is throw him out of the ring and make him take a really rough bump to the floor. Yeah. So then, yeah, so Owen just... Get, no, Cornette gets hoyed out of the ring, which basically says the match is on. So Shawn Michaels is going to fight Owen Hart with his Royal Rumble win slash his WrestleMania title shot on the line. 
I hated this segment. Didn't like it. Didn't like it. Uh, the crowd ran to Sean, but he mm. just came across as a bellend. Mm. Had his arm around Vince, chewing his gum, saying, Me and the click are gonna get it on. <laughs> and Vince the whole time, Vince is like, Oh, Sean. He's <laughs> <laughs> such a sexy voice. Oh, he's lovely. And I was like, Oh, I just wanted to slap Sean in. <laughs> and he like, like says, like, it's a three-pronged plan. Mm-hmm. Part one is rumble. Part two is mania. But actually, part two is something else. <laughs> and then, yeah, the, the line that he said to Cornette, he's like, after I've done to Owen what I'm going to do to you. He kind of, <laughs> I was like, oh. Bit clumsy. But the end product, given HBK a novel hurdle and demon to slay for his redemption story, Great. Yeah, I like that. And the match will be good. This, after the last few weeks, the way they built Sean, I've loved him because he's mm. been humble because he's been like, right, I've got to get into my mindset. And the first time he wins, he's like, yeah! And I'm like, oh, fuck off, Sean. Is it because, is it the knowledge of the fact that at this point he was, I know he's a man of religion now, but at this time he was a bit of a cunt. Do you think that taints it a bit for you? I'm just because... Or do you, like, on face value, just go, yeah, I don't like you. You're cunty. Bit of both. Okay. Like the whole Sammy Guevara thing at the moment. Yeah. Where he's not done anything overt, but you're just like, oh, fuck off, mate. Yeah. What do you get overt? They're pretty necking on well, every week. Yeah, but I mean, But before that, though, before mm. they went full on with it, they were just kind of like, hey, here's my thick girlfriend. I'm dead good looking and cool. And you're like, fuck off. I was. <laughs> I think that was ridiculous that they thought this will get him over as a baby face. Like, really? Nah. That's a great heel stuff. That's honky tonk man. Like, thank you very much. You've been a great audience. <laughs> like that. Like, I love a heel that doesn't know they're a heel. Oh, deluded. Yeah. Deluded yeah. Heels are the best. De- delusions of grandeur in a heel. They're the best ones. Uh, but yeah, Owen versus Michaels. I think for in your house. I think we'll get. Yeah. So Good in, match. In, in your house is shaping enough to be a decent card already. Next week, it's the day after the big game. It'll be Diesel versus British Bulldog and Shawn Michaels. Versus Yokozuna. Raw's getting stacked. Stacked next week. So Diesel and Bulldog, they had themselves a title match a little while ago. Let's pick up the pace once again. And Sean and Yokozuna, I'm intrigued by this because we had Yokozuna versus Razor Ramon a couple of weeks ago and it was arse. It was. (laughs) Just because Razor is so tall compared to Yokozuna. It so, was like it was like punching it was like punching like a moving mass. <laughs> Hopefully Sean just bumps off him. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping. Just pinballs off him, so. And then maybe lands a super kick. That, yeah. If, that wobbles if, him and sends him out of the ring. If he's in the right frame of mind, this could be a good match. Uh the big game they were referencing. Do you know what it was? I'm not gonna say the Super Bowl. It was the Super oh, Bowl. Oh, was it? Because they the called it Super Monday. Is is the term Super Bowl trademark so they can't say it? I think, yeah, I think it's a bit like that time in the World Cup where we no nobody was allowed to say World Cup unless you were a, an officially licensed partner of the World Cup. God fucking oh That was a time, wasn't it? That was a time. <laughs> I don't I don't wanna go all rise comrades, but fucking <laughs> corporate thinking's fucking Wank, exhausting, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah, exhausting. Just fuck off. Oh, because I've called it a World Cup. That doesn't mean that I'm trying to cash in on it. Shit. I hope the same people bought NFTs recently. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, it was indeed the Super Bowl, though. Super Bowl 30 was the big game. The Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Dallas Cowboys. How about them Cowboys? Cowboys win? I think so. I don't know. Yeah. What I do know is there was a halftime performance by Diana Ross. 
Uh, hundreds of gospel singers positioned themselves to make three X's on the pitch. Fire which went off as Diana Ross sang Ain't No Mountain High Enough. <laughs> Couldn't tell you who won, but I know that was how the halftime show was. Three X's? So what, Diana Ross did like a straight edge set? She was doing like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. like youth crew stuff. And now you... she did porn. <laughs> oh, fuck me. <laughs> Uh, have you ever seen Diana Ross opening the 1994 World Cup? <laughs> no, not literally. <laughs> not like that scene in Brain Dead. Get in, lads, play some footy. <laughs> Get on you. Oh, oh, I'm tired. Um, no. <laughs> right, so, it's, so it was in the United States, so of course it was very United States. Rather than just having someone coming out and say, here's the World Cup, they were like, oh, we're going to have fireworks, we're going to have Diana Ross, and she's running on the pitch singing, I'm coming up. <laughs> and what she had to do was kick a ball in a straight line past the goalkeeper, and the, the goal, because she hit it with such force, would break in half. Runs up, spoons it. <laughs> Fucking <laughs> <laughs> But the goalkeeper still goes, oh, Oh, and the goal still breaks in half. It's beautiful. Oh, <laughs> pleasure. So, yeah. You had one job. Yeah. Kick the ball to Tucker. To be fair, I don't think I could run the length of a pitch while singing in heels and then score a penno. I heard that you can. <laughs> well, I'm being just modest, aren't I? <laughs> uh, back to our main event of the night. It's Goldust versus Bret Hart. The WWF Intercontinental Champion fights the WWF World Champion in a match with no belt on the line, but I like the whole the top of one division versus the top of another division. Feels important. Feels important. Marlena is now being announced as Goldust's director. That's great. Yeah. I like that. We get some pre-match comments from Goldust that features Marlena using the clackerboard before the promo starts and at the end going, cut! Like, little touches like that, little nuance like that, I'm always here for. And Goldust doing a John Wayne impression. Oh, my God. Dropping the quote from the Ringo Kid. There's just some things that a man can't run away from. <laughs> As he's talking about his match with Razor being a masterpiece and an Oscar-winning performance. And now he's looking for his next role against the Calgary Cowboy Bret Hart. Great. Great stuff. Great. Picture in picture. We get footage from last night that shows where Bret Hart injured his knee. It was on the deadly Bret's rope elbow drop. So deadly it even hurts the person doing it I was going to say before this did you hear what Vince said because he was saying oh, there's a big reaction for Brett and it sounded like he was going to accidentally call Goldust gay dust but Ooh. he may have said game because he goes oh, and then Brett taking on game taking on Goldust so I don't know if he's about because I know Jerry Lawler said something like, hey don't get homophobic again McMahon yeah so whether he was in his own weird 90s way trying to cover up for it yeah um because I heard that and I rewound it and put, like, squished mm. my headphones to my ears and I couldn't work it out. But I thought, oh, has Vince tripped up there or is he? It's, it seems like, I think that because they've used the word gay so much around gold dust, yeah. it wouldn't surprise me if it was something that was in and around Vince's head as he's announced yeah. him. You know, we're not saying that's what he did. It was very likely. But it's, yeah. Um, Dave Meltzer in The Observer says that Bret Hart got a black eye during this match. And I rewound a couple of times to see if I could see a point where that happened. And whilst it's difficult to tell, I'm pretty sure he came in with a black eye. Yeah, because surely if someone punched you in the eye, it'd swell up before it goes black. Yeah, it, it would swell just... up quite quick. Because by, by the end of the match, you can see like he's, he does the interview and stuff. Like He's very much got a black eye. Mm. But I don't think it was from this match. He must have got it from the Rumble. He, it, must have been, it must have been a shiner from the Rumble. So Dave, I just wanted to defend Dustin all these years later, just in case. Um... 
Goldust tries to weird out Bret Hart early whilst Marlena chomps a cigar at ringside. Bret's not quite sure what to make of Goldust. When we come back from break, he's cracked it. He's wearing down Goldust's arm. <laughs> Goldust lands a gut shot when the ref calls for a rope break. He takes a very sudden control of the match, but Bret is able to maneuver Goldust towards the rope and send him flying outside the ring as the show goes to another break. When we come back, Goldust lands a top rope axe handle and is working over the arm once again. Why not the leg? Yeah. They've played up the leg injury. Yeah. Why is he attacking the arm? I don't know. Weird, that. Uh, a great bit of OTT wrestling nonsense here, which uh, got my seal of approval. There's a point where Brett rakes Goldust's eyes on the top rope. Goldust recoils from this, holding his eye. He then swings a punch in midair that's nowhere near Brett. Like as if to say, I'm blind, I'm hoping for the best. And then he just spins and lands on his arse. Oh, it's a really fun little moment from Goldust. A little bit of acting from Goldust, which I very much enjoyed. I thought Goldust was <clears throat> making look Brett look great. He was bumping, yeah. he was selling for him, yeah. Um, Goldust ends up on the outside again. Marlena tries to take him to the back, but Razor appears to throw Goldust back in the ring for the final break of the night. Vince McMahon saying that Razor wants another shot at Goldust's Intercontinental title. We'll get to it, hopefully. Hart is in complete control, hitting a diving clothesline, a Russian leg sweep, and a sharpshooter for the tap-out win. Is this the first ever tap-out in WWF? Because <clears throat> everyone says... There was no tap out in WWF until Ken Shamrock in 97. That's a really good question. Because that's what I've got here. And I was looking up and everything I found on Reddit, everyone was, everyone was saying, yeah, the first tap outs were Taz in ECW, like late 95, mid 96, or it was Shamrock in 97. It was like, mm. Goldust clearly taps. And I was just going, lost my mind. It's like, that's the first ever tap out possibly. I wonder. Because I, I think it was I wonder whether, saying, whether we've seen it and we've just not really thought about it. Maybe. I know a lot of times it's nodding. It's nodding and saying, I give up. Or... But this is definitely a pre Ken Shamrock a, tap. This is a tap. He's surrendering. We, he's we surrendering. Won't see, we won't see Shamrock for at least a year and a half. Yeah, yeah. He's not around for a bit. So there you go. The tap out predates Ken Shamrock. Yeah. Contrary to popular belief. Vince gets in the ring to talk to Bret Hart. Now, this is a weird bit that is an audio file I, I thought was a bit unusual. So he gets in the ring and it's clear that they should be doing what they're doing in the ring to the crowd. Mm. But Brett's music's still playing. Yeah. And it's clearly the mic that is connected to the sound desk, the announce table. Yes. So the, that's why it's coming through crystal clear, and that's why you haven't got it echoing and resonating. That's why both guys are speaking relatively low. They're a bit louder because they're shouting over the music because they can't hear each other. So it was a strange mixture here. So the crowd were probably a little bit, you know, bemused as to what was going on because they couldn't have heard what Bret Hart was saying. Yeah. You wouldn't they wouldn't have heard what he was saying in that moment for whatever reason. Anyway, uh technicals aside, um Hart says Diesel has been a thorn in his side for a long time now. The cage match means there'll be no excuses when he finally loses. He also promises The Undertaker that he will get another match at some point. Hart ends by telling Vince McMahon he's deadly in a cage. I'm deadly in a cage. Deadly in a cage. He then signs off and leaves the ring. Uh, what did we make of the main event? Uh, good. It was a short match, though. I thought mm. they had nice chemistry. Goldie worked his ass off for Brett. I like the way that the, like I say often on this, I like it when wrestling feels more real and the sports presentation. I like the fact that he said beforehand, he's like, Brett bollocks his knee last night. Look at this. And mm. showed it. And the fact he's got a black eye and he's just fighting. <clears throat> and afterwards, I like Brett Hart when he's not trying to cut a promo, when he's just shouting a bit and like a bit miserable he's basically just go diesel you 
dickhead. I'll, oh, yeah, I'll take her. Yeah, whatever. I'll give you a match. It was like great, miserable moan and breath is the best. On he's the, the he's the best at them, isn't he? Yeah. He's never he's never for me. He's never a solid promo, but when he's connected and when he's a bit miserable, yeah. he's actually very very good. Yeah. And he had a few agendas here, and he, and he got them all away quite nicely. Yeah. Lawler reminds us that next week is Super Monday. Sean versus Yoko, Diesel versus Bulldog, and an exclusive press conference with billionaire Ted. I may have given a spoiler on what that might be. Oh! <laughs> we'll find out for Defo next week. Mm. We get a replay of Vader's attack on Gorilla Monsoon, the highlight of this whole show, as it comes to an end. You know what? A really strong episode of Raw. Though. What a great Raw. Yeah, not perfect. No. By all means, but enough in there to enjoy that 47 minutes of wrestling. Oh, it was a breeze. And before we even start recording today, we both looked at each other and said... Oh, good what, what a great podcast. <laughs> no, uh, oh, what a great podcast. But as I've got it written here, Vader is a king. Brett looked a beast. HBK built up strong. The Owen situation is intriguing. Mm. Razor did look a bit of a geek, but he got his heat back. Helmsley looked strong. And this episode had no Owen Hart, no Yokozuna, no Davey Boy Smith, no Austin, no Diesel. The roster's starting to look healthy, mm. especially considering like, well, what seems like years ago for us, but a couple of months back on this when um, you'd have multiple tapings from the same night and be like, oh, here's Razor again. Here's Bob Holly. Here's the guns again. And people getting quieter and quieter. But very strong episode and they're starting to use the roster. Yes. So there's a lot of moving parts. What did you think? I really loved it. I thought that genuinely I've been doing this podcast for for several years now. I think the the Gorilla Monsoon Vader segment is up there with one of my favorite bits. Yeah. Like I'd put that up there with like the, with the Janetti doink sleeper match <laughs> from like 1994. Ooh. That was like so good. Janetti versus doink the cloud in 94. It was oh. just, just a, a banger, an absolute banger for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't go anywhere. Which is a brilliant match, and that's weirdly in the early years of Raw, like considered one of the finer matches on Raw. Yeah. So they just both went for it that night. Which doink? It was the good doink. The correct doink. Matt Bourne. Matt Bourne. It was the it was the heel doink. It's Matt Bourne and Marty Gennetti, and they just had a belter. But I put that up there with that. Like, it was a great segment, a hot segment to start the night. Really kind of sets the agenda for this sort of pre-attitude adjustment yeah. that we are finding ourselves in in 1996. Uh, so more of this, please, and you'll be off to a flying start. Um, but obviously, WCW breathing down your necks. That'll be a difficult one to navigate. We'll see how we go in the weeks to come. Um, What's coming up for you? Anything you want to plug or shout about? Same old, same old. Like I said before, it involves Triple H's rotating valets. Oh. uh, Yeah, and then a a nice few days off yourself. Yeah, Uh, no more days off for me. Mr. No More Days Off. Here he is. Uh, I'm trying to think when this goes out. um, I don't think we'd have had North Wrestling. Uh, which I won't be in attendance at, sadly, but it means that War Horse is coming to Newcastle this weekend. Or that War, weekend is gone. As in the horse of war, not as in the Newcastle Geordie dialect for our horse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I never even thought what a fun like that. Hey, that may have even been a conversation starter with War Horse. It may have been. I can't even take credit for that. Aiden said it the other day and I laughed <laughs> my head off. So, Aiden Gibbons. <laughs> what a boy. What a boy. Uh, so, podcast as normal. Uh, classic Smackdown, classic Nitro. Uh, you may have a new Desert Island Graps this week as well, depending on if a few people get back to me. Uh, and uh, for the latest wrestling news from that pen and others, it's cultaholic.com. Until we're back together again, he is at Brat underscore Atkins on Twitter. I am at Tom Campbell on Twitter. Together, we are at Cultaholic on Twitter. Don't forget to join us. The Hope 
he had was much too high, way out of reach, but we have to try. No need to hide, no need to run, cause all the answers come one by one. The game will never be over. You're damn right I'm over. <laughs> because we're keeping the dream alive. Love you, bye. <laughs> Beautiful, mate. That was lovely. That was genuinely lovely. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 